So we're continuing our, our sermon series through this letter we call 1 Corinthians, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And we began this sermon series all the way back in January with chapter one of this letter. And uh, last week we took a little break from our series and just great message from Pastor Jack. And just so grateful uh, to him and, and, and for him. Uh, but we're back at it today and we're calling this sermon series The Cross-Shaped Life. And the overarching message is that there is a way of life. There's a way that we can live every day. And it is a way of life that is in line with God's intent. It is in line with his good purposes for the world. It is a way of life that leads to joy and to peace and to purpose in our lives. But that way of life is the way of the cross. And when we think of the way of the cross, it's not some self-help plan. It's not some easy path of prosperity. The way of the cross is a way of living in faith in Jesus Christ, who said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, if anybody wants to be my follower, he or she must pick up their cross daily and follow me. This cross-shaped life is, is going to always be in contrast to the world in which it's lived out. So in this letter, the culture was the city of Corinth and the values of Corinth. And in, in the letter, it constantly pointing out that the values of Corinth are at odds with the values of the cross. And in our day and age, it's the same thing, that the, the way of the cross is going to be at odds with the world around us. And actually in shockingly similar ways. Uh, so that's what we've been doing is exploring this cross-shaped life. So here we get to chapter 14. And honestly, I considered skipping this chapter, um, this part of the letter, because it, for some people, might seem a little strange. Uh, but I was compelled to press on and, and to consider this chapter. And I'm, I'm glad I did, because really the whole chapter is about worshiping together. And that's something that's on our minds right now because we're not able to worship together in the ways that we're accustomed to, to, to worshiping. So here we are in these various platforms and I appreciate it. I'm grateful for this, um, but it's hard and I miss you. I really do. Um, I believe that it's important for Christians to be together, to gather in person to worship. Now, this is great, and I appreciate this opportunity. Um, and some people love, you know, the online church, and you can stay in your pajamas, and you could get up for a snack uh, in the middle of the sermon, and I will not see you do that. You could yell at me, um, and I won't hear it. But um, why, though, are we still hungry to get back together? Like, why wouldn't we just do this online church thing forever? And honestly, and then if you're going to do that, you could actually find a better service, probably better preaching or better music. There's a lot out there and pretty easily find it. You know, we know that our gathered worship is so much more than just an inspiring message. It's so much more than just singing. It's, it's even more than just fellowship and just being together being able to greet one another uh, in person. Our gathered worship is a shared spiritual experience. That is, worship is, it is to God, but it's also from God that we receive from him. 
in his spirit. We experience it together in such a way that, that God is glorified, but that we're built up together. And it's a spiritual experience and it's powerful. And the key to it, the teaching here starts right in verse one. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit, especially the gift of prophecy. The teaching is to follow the way of love. Um, Cross-shaped life, when we talk about love and we think about the cross-shaped life and cross-shaped love, Jesus's love is about a love that is giving. His love was demonstrated that he gave his life for us to save us and to bring us forgiveness of our sins. He, uh, the, Jesus, the, the cross-shaped love and Jesus' love is, is a love that is focused to others. And that's in, in the teaching here is say, when you worship, you need to follow that way of love as you worship together. And secondly, you need to des- desire the gifts of the Spirit. You, you should be full of God's Holy Spirit. That's why our worship is not something that we produce from within ourselves. It's something that flows from a vital connection to God's spirit and understanding what God has done for us. It's it's our response to God's work and it's our response to God's spirit. Um, It it gifts us. It prompts us. It moves in us. Therefore, worship is not primarily about style. It's not about forms. You know, there's a lot of uh, things that could be included in a time of worshiping with people. Um, you could, there's different prayers. You could pray the Lord's Prayer. You could sing a doxology. You could recite a creed together. Um, there's traditional hymns and contemporary musics and um, short sermons and long sermons, and there's all kinds of, of things. Um, there's so many styles and forms, but the Bible doesn't teach us, um, it doesn't give real specific direction on what are the forms and style of worship. If that were so important, we would think that the Bible would teach us more about it. There would be more instructions. But the important thing is that worship flows, uh, it follows the way of love and that it's full of God's spirit. Jesus got into a conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman, and and, uh, the Samaritans and the Jews worship differently. And she was asking Jesus about this in the Gospel of John chapter 4. And the woman said, she said to Jesus, I, I can see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship's not about places. It's not about sitting in your living room and it's not about um, sitting in the church sanctuary. It's about the very presence of God's spirit at work and his truth invading our lives by the power of his spirit. That's true worship. Now, the problem in the church in Corinth, and the reason why uh, the Apostle Paul's writing these words, is they understood spiritual worship. They, their, their worship was very spirit-filled. The problem was they weren't following the way of love. Um, they, were, they would worship by um, speaking in tongues and praying in tongues, different languages. And they were bragging about it, and they thought tongues was the greatest gift, and they would just show how full of the, this gift they were. And there was a lot of a uh, lot of people 
speaking in tongues when they gathered together and it was becoming kind of chaotic and there was one group saying hey this is great you know we're so spiritual and there's another group saying hey we should this is not the way we should worship worship perhaps we should just forbid this uh, speaking in tongues thing altogether here the teaching is basically you know when you're together it's probably better to use the gift of prophecy than the gift of tongues so that begs the question, well, what is tongues and then what is prophecy? Because this may seem strange to you if, if maybe you're not familiar with these things. Um, tongues, the gift, gift of speaking in tongues. Um, in verse 2, it's described as speaking not to people, but to God. It's a, it's a special language. It's a gift that God gives. And it's a language that you can use to pray. And it's a, it's, it connects you to God. The, the great thing about prayer is that you don't even need words. I talk to people and they say, um, I don't know how to pray or I'm not good at praying or I try to pray and my, I just get distracted. God, to some people, he gives the gift of tongues where you could be praying and you don't even need words. You don't even need to understand them. But God, his spirit in, invades us and fills us in such a way that we could just uh, speak a new language. And even if I don't understand it, I know that I'm connected to God and I know that my spirit is praying. And it's a good thing. And here in this text, it says, it builds you up spiritually. Verse four, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. And it's a good gift. Paul says um, he wants all of them to pray this way, to, to speak in tongues. The problem is, though, in a group, it's really unintelligible. No one would understand it. Um, Again, verse 2, no one understands them, if it, the person who's speaking in tongues. It, it, no one else is built up. It's just you and God, but it doesn't build the people around you up necessarily. Um, and, and later in the chapter, Paul says, look, if somebody who's an outsider visits your church and everybody's praying in tongues, not only will that person not understand what's happening, they're going to think you're crazy. And, and he, he says it uh, in basically in that many words that... When you're together, it's important that there, it's a mutual and shared experience, not just between you and God, but something that builds up the whole body. So he said, what's better when you're together is prophecy. Now, what is prophecy? When we think of prophecy, I think people often think about uh, predicting the future. So the, the problem is, though, most of the time, even biblical prophecy is not about predicting the future. Biblical prophecy is is something it's it's a word it's a message it's an idea it's given from god to an individual and then it is spoken into a specific context it could be a personal context it could be a cultural context uh, but it's something that's given spontaneously by god to the mind therefore prophecy is different than teaching or preaching um, teaching and preaching is based in god's word and making it clear uh, but prophecy is more about something that God suddenly brings to the mind by his spirit. Um, and so teaching and preaching could be mixed with prophecy. Um, I've had experiences where I plan to speak or to preach. And in the moment, God just brings something to mind that I feel compelled to say. And you may have had that experience too. You Maybe you're with somebody in a, in a a verse of scripture just comes to your mind. It's not something you were thinking of, but it comes to you and you feel compelled to speak it to someone else. Or 
or you just have a deep sense from God that he wants you to speak specific words to a person. And when you do, they are built up by that. That can be, uh, that very well might be prophecy, that God is giving you that as a gift. And uh, that's part of why I don't typically preach from a manuscript. Um, I, I want to I, I leave room for, for God to, to give me words to say when I speak to people. And, um, it's, and again, this, the teaching here is that this is something that we should desire. We should want this to happen. God may not give this gift to everybody, uh, but we should all desire to receive words from God to give to other people. Even in prayer, some people experience prophecy in prayer. Um, you know, you, you pray and you ask God, God, fill me with your spirit that I might pray for this person. You know, somebody's hurting or somebody needs prayer and you don't know what to pray. And say, God, just give me the words to pray for this person. Give me the words to bless them uh, through prayer. And God gives that. And you know it's not your words. You know it's not just your thoughts. But God is praying with you. And we can experience prophecy that way as well. Um, and, and here in verse 3, it says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. We need this now. We need this bad. Um, strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Strengthening to be edified, to be built up, to increase our knowledge of God, our experience of God, to grow and mature in our faith so that when the trials come and when we're in the middle of these things, we're, we're built up and strengthened to persevere and to continue to have faith. Strengthening, encouraging. Uh, oh, encouragement for those who are depressed or discouraged or dreams that aren't coming true or whatever inadequacy or failure you feel in your life. There should be something when we gather and we worship together that cheers your heart, even if it's just knowing that God loves you, even if it's just knowing that Jesus Christ indeed died for you. And yes, he rose from the dead. And it, by faith, you, you can experience him and know him, even if it's just that much. That's a huge thing that we could be encouraged. There should always be something to, to warm the heart and to encourage the heart and comfort. That when prophecy happens, and when we worship together, God just wrapping his arms around you. So many right now are brokenhearted. So many are mourning. Uh, even just reading the news, reading of people dying, some of you on the front line seeing death up close in, in a way that uh, is just intensified right now. We need God's comfort. We need God's comfort when we're lonely or when we just feel stuck at home and, and that there feels like there's no end in sight. Just we need God's comfort in every way. And the point here in the text is that prophecy is it provides those things. And so it's, it, it's superior to speaking in tongues because it's going to build up the whole church together when it happens. Now, how do we apply this? So again, I go back to verse one. The, the key principle here is follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. So collectively, it, this is a great reminder that worship is important and we need to continue to gather like this to worship. Um, and, and we in someday we will be back together. We're already considering plans uh, to how to reopen the church. We don't know when, uh, but, but when it's appropriate, we want to be prepared. There's a, there's a million considerations about 
crowd size and proximity and um, protocols and this is not going to happen fast and I'll tell you right now this is uh, it's not like just all in one week we're gonna be back to the way things were we think phases think um, things being slowly ramped up um, so it won't immediately be like it was but it is gonna happen and we can long for that because it's a good thing that we long for and we can mourn the loss and, and missing one another so, but the important thing for now is that we just keep connected and we keep worshiping in the ways that we're able to. Um, so collectively, that's important for us. Individually, remember the gift of tongues. Um, it, it does build you up. This is um, a tool in your toolkit of prayer. It's a gift that God may want to give you, uh, especially if you're very alone right now, es especially if, if you're just feeling disconnected. You can know and experience God's presence, and you don't even need the words to pray. Just pray, God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit, and God's Spirit can fill you. And, and you may begin to speak, and you may not even know what you're saying, but you know that God is there, and you know that it is good, and you know that you are vitally connected to him by his spirit. The work of God's spirit is to, to comfort and to counsel us, and, and it's sometimes through this. So that's, that's, especially if you're alone, that's a great gift that you have. Uh, lastly, it, we, we remember, too, that worship is just so much more than this time we spend online or the time that we gather together, that worship is a way of life, that we worship as we're gathered, but we also worship as we scatter. We are a church that talks about whole life worship. Um, it, when, when I give benediction, I'll often say something like, you know, this ends this part of our worship, but we're entering into the next part of our worship. And in some ways, the greater part of our worship, because it's a greater amount of time and it's a, it's a greater uh, segment of our life when we worship out there in the world, wherever um, we go. So today, when we finish this time, you know, continue to worship. Go, definitely go outside today on a beautiful day, get outside, but not just exercise, not just fresh air, but an act of worship. If you're alone, spiritual worship can still happen. Um, and if you're, but if you're with somebody, desire the gift of prophecy, De desire that God would give you a word to speak that would build someone else up, that would give them, uh, uh, build them up and comfort and encourage them in every way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and this reminder of how important our worship is. And Father, I pray even now that, um, that you would just fill each person, wherever they're sitting, that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we know that you're present, that we know that you desire to give good gifts to us, your children, and we pray that you just fill us with your Holy Spirit in every way. Empower us to be your people. Empower us to worship you well, to give you the glory. We thank you for Jesus who has made the way, who has gone to the cross for us on our behalf and has risen to new life, that we can have new life and that we can have your Holy Spirit. So we thank you that the way has been made and we just want to walk in it, Lord. And we desire to be built up because that's your desire, Lord. And we desire to worship you because you are worthy. So we praise you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.